0: Welcome to the Kit Factor. I'm Kit Bate, and this podcast is to help us level up our lives. We talk about real estate and how that can improve things, not only financially, but how that relates to improving our lives personally. I'm a firm believer that true success comes through balance and that we can have balance at a high level. everybody. Welcome to my podcast. This is Kit Bait with Academy Mortgage. Um, I am just putting together some content so that everyone can kind of take advantage of knowing the ins and outs of home ownership and the benefits and how to leverage it in ways that I have leveraged it, um, as well as what I've seen in my experience as, as a mortgage loan officer, over the years, uh, been in, in the game since 2006, got in right as everyone was saying, Hey, the mortgage world and real estate world is a great, uh, great industry. And this was right before the crash. And so as, as I entered in, um, not too long after that, everyone that told me it was a great I- idea to get in, they were jumping ship and getting out of it with the, uh, the whole recession going on. Um, but it's been really good, and I've seen a lot, learned a lot, and uh, my goal really is just to share as much as I can with everyone else to hopefully uh, help other people grow and build wealth and really uh, achieve the dream of retiring uh, at an, an age where they can actually still function and and live and enjoy retirement instead of being. Um, to a point where you're old and decrepit and uh, can't move around a, a whole lot. So hopefully, some of the content that I'll provide here today will be helpful. Uh, I want to jump into first-time homebuyers. Um, that's that's as a as a first-time homebuyer, there's a lot of emotion, more so. Uh, involved with the process than there is for anyone that's buying a second home or an investment home. And so first-time home buyers really the the scare and the fear and the emotion stems from the unknown from things that you just are unfamiliar with and so it causes you to panic and not want to pull the trigger on buying a house because it's just too much and too overwhelming and really there's a lot that can be simplified to understand And come to terms with where if you just if you know some basics and some fundamentals, it takes a lot of that fear and emotion out of the equation and allows you to think more financially um, and more logically. And so kind of the goal with what we'll go through today is some of the myths behind home ownership, what's what's actual and what's a myth. Um, but then also we'll go into looking at some of the short-term benefits and the long-term benefits and kind of weighing and comparing the two because there's, there's both. And uh, you gotta kind of know what to be planning for and expecting in order to really consider if now is a good time to buy a home, or if waiting is better, and the the benefits that can come financially for you in the long run. Um, but then we'll also jump into some of the details on how close you might be. We'll go through some details on things to consider that help you know without having to to really make a commitment and dive in and have a you know a consultation with me. That's what I do as a loan officer is really consult people and tell them, where they're at with credit and with income. And so if that's something that you're not quite ready for, hopefully some of this information will be valuable to you to help you know if you're in a spot where something like that might make sense to do a consultation or if you just need to work on some some other things in the meantime. Um, and then we'll talk about the market conditions based off of where we're at right now, which uh, depending on when you're listening to this, some of, the, some of these details might change. Right now we're, we're in the midst of coronavirus and the Utah housing market is jumping. Um, and so we'll kind of go through some of the details on that. And then hopefully with all that information, if you ever uh, feel the need to, to reach out, we can do a, a one-on-one, set up an individual consultation where we can figure out details and specifics on uh, on you and your situation. Um so that's what we'll go through a little bit about me just so you kind of know details on what I'm all about, where I've been, where my experience and understanding is coming from. Um I've been like I said in the business since 2006 and so that's uh that's been a little while and a lot of changes in the market. And during that time I've actually been been ranked in the top 1% nationally as uh, for loan officers. So that just means I've I've seen a lot of different scenarios uh, Um, gone through a lot of different experiences. And so hopefully that gives me enough information to to be valuable to you as well and give you some good understanding. Um, Personally, I invest in real estate. I've got a a real estate portfolio that involves um, a handful of single family homes. I've got a little apartment building. Um, I've done uh, done a basement apartment rental, which I know a lot of people are are attracted to. Um, And that's a good thing for a period of time. Uh, but then what I do personally as well is, is I focus on a lot of long-term goal evaluation where you can go to a bank, you can go to a credit union and they can say, yes, you're pre-approved, good luck on finding a house. And what, uh, what I try and do as a consultant is really evaluate the goals, uh, that you're trying to accomplish short-term and long-term to help you achieve retirement, help you achieve wealth and not just hand you the largest debt that you've ever dreamed possible in your life, um, but get you into debt and then get you out of it. That's really the the goal is is uh, help you help you build savings and build build wealth and use some strategy behind that. So we'll go ahead and we'll talk about some of the myths involved with uh, buying a home a lot of times people are fearful and they're just kind of held back where they're thinking that maybe it's a large down payment. That's one of the biggest myths is, is that you've got to have a large down payment. There's several different programs. There's grant programs. There's second mortgages. There's down payment assistance programs that will allow you to avoid having a large down payment or possibly even any down payment at all where you can finance everything or you can get enough uh, and from a grant to cover what would have been a down payment. So that happens a lot of times as well. And so that's one of the biggest myths that uh, that stops people. and it's it's really it, when you're a first time home buyer, and you're struggling to get by, you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're looking at the the option for buying a home, and you're thinking to yourself, this is never going to happen for me. I am not going to be a homeowner. I'm just going to be renting the rest of my life because I can't get ahead. Uh, And so it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, With these programs that are available, uh, it helps people that are in that exact situation. So if you're there, then Don't, don't be frustrated and uh, get down on, on yourself because those programs are designed specifically for people that are in your situation. Um, a lot of those programs have limitations on how much money you can make so it's not designed for someone that's just making bank and uh and just says well i don't want to have a down payment there are limitations there and so it's these programs are designed just to help people get going and get their foot in the door with home ownership another another myth about home ownership and buying a home is that you've got to have perfect credit everyone thinks That you know, in order to get this huge monstrous loan, that you're going to have to have an 800 credit score, and that's not the case. There are several programs that will go quite a bit lower than what you might expect otherwise. Where we're looking into uh, the low 600s, and some situations even the the high 500s, and so it doesn't have to be flawless credit. There are programs that again are designed for people that that are in a situation where they just need a little bit of leverage, a little bit of help in getting into owning a home and kind of getting on their feet to be able to build that, uh, that home ownership dream. So we'll dive into some of that in just a little bit as well as far as credit is concerned. Um, but one of the myths about buying a home is that it's, it's risky, especially in this kind of a market where we're seeing home values go up and it seems like it's just – going to crash again where where you know pre 2007 2008 we saw home values going up and so it's got everyone kind of on the fence a little bit wondering you know are we going to see something like that happen again are we in a risky market which uh from a, a bird's eye view there's a lot of similarities but once we boil down some of the details uh, then it, it gives a little more insight as to what's really going on so we'll dive into that um Another myth is that you've got to be ready to buy a home before you talk to a lender or you talk to a realtor. And that is one of the unfortunate, huge misconceptions where people wait too long to talk to somebody. They think, you know, I've got to have perfect credit. I've got to, you know, be committed to buying a home and moving forward. And a lot of times there's a a huge amount of information and education that needs to take place before you begin that process. So, um, so the sooner the better. So don't feel like, you know, if, if credit's bad or you're just not in a position or you're going to school and you don't even have a job yet that don't, don't feel like it's too early to talk to someone. Someone might, there are lenders definitely that are going to tell you, Hey, I can't do anything for you right now um, because they won't do anything for you right now, where if you talk to the right person that um, has a, you know, a, a better vested interest in you and wants to do some game planning and strategizing for you, that's who you want to be talking to. You want to find somebody that is going to help guide you along that pl- that path and give you the information that you need to know. Um, so when you find that person and, uh, you know, hopefully that's some, something that I can be helping out with, but if it's someone else finding someone that can guide you through, help you know what you need to do to work on credit, to work on savings, to um, be considering what's going on in the market. It's never, never too early to be talking to a a professional and there's no fees involved for asking questions. So don't be fearful of that. Um, Buying a home right now with this generation where we've got a lot of people Don't stay in a a home for a long period of time. And so when you look at buying a home, the fear and the myth is, well, if I'm going to buy a home, I've got to I've got to stay there forever. And that's not true either. Um, That's something that that a lot of people misunderstand and you don't have to live in the same place to, to own it. You can own it for a short period of time, or you could even just live in it for a short period of time and own it for a long period of time. So maybe you only live there for a year or two years, and then you turn around and rent it out, make someone else pay your mortgage for you, um, and, and build, build equity in that home while they're making the payments on your behalf. And so you don't have to physically be living there in order for something like that to, to happen. And so those are, those are kind of some of the things that, that are common myths about buying a home that are really important to, I think, address right off the bat before you even even bother opening your mind to options of, of buying a home is kind of getting, getting out of your own way a little bit and not letting things that, um, that a lot of times we hear, well, my mom said, or had a friend that said, or somebody that's uninvolved, that's not a professional in the industry and doesn't have, isn't, isn't really a legitimate source of information. A lot of times we're taking information from those sources and, uh, and that's, you know, you kind of become who you surround yourself with. And so if you surround yourself with, with wrong information, then you're going to be a source of wrong information for other people too. But if you reach out to the right sources of information, you're going to get good info and then be able to make really educated and informed decisions, which is going to leverage how fast you can, uh, can get to that, um, that home ownership and retirement goal. So some of the benefits of home ownership, uh, that you need to consider when you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, is it a good idea to buy a home? Yeah, everyone else is buying a home and you're thinking, okay, well, why? Why would you possibly burden yourself with getting into a 30-year mortgage uh, for hundreds of thousands of dollars? Why are you, why are you going to do that? So things to consider when you're looking at buying a home. When you first get into a home, you are going to skip a month before you have a, have to make your first mortgage payment, which is something, to, something good to understand. So if you're coming up with a little bit of money for a down payment, or even if you don't have a down payment, you are not gonna turn around and make a mortgage payment next month. So if, say for example, it's August, and we closed on a home today, you don't have to make a mortgage payment in September, but your first mortgage payment would be due in October. So you got some downtime. On a mortgage, interest is paid in arrears, where when you're paying rent, it's paid before you stay. So you pay, then you stay. And then on a mortgage, you stay, then pay. So the interest that you've accrued over the month that you've lived there, then gets paid out the following month. And so that's how your payment would be skipped. So it's not living there for free, but you do have some downtime um, to get kind of your feet on the ground, get moved in, and uh, and then start making making payments uh, at least a month after you've closed on the home, sometimes closer to two. Another benefit to owning a home is the tax deductions that you get. So your rent, in case you weren't aware, gives you nothing. And it is is a very charitable donation to whoever your landlord is. Um, When you own a home, the mortgage interest that you pay, which is a lot um, because it's a big loan, and then the mortgage insurance, which is another piece of your mortgage, your property taxes, those are all tax deductions that you get. Um, So when you file your taxes each year as a homeowner, you get more returns because of owning a home as opposed to someone that might be in an identical situation with income that doesn't own a home that's maybe renting, they don't get that tax benefit. Um, So that's a huge benefit for, for owning a home. The longer term benefits Will include equity in a home, um, where that value of the home that's appreciating, going up every year. If you ever decide to sell a home, then you get to keep that money. Uh, so, say for example, you bought a home for two hundred thousand and you sold it for three hundred thousand, then you get a hundred grand that you get to keep. And if you lived in the home for two of the last five years, you avoid any taxes. On that uh, on that income on that that profit from selling the home, so that is a huge 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 benefit. So if you think you know what I'm only going to live here for three or four years or five years, so I'm not going to buy a home, that's a huge missed opportunity. Because if you're gaining equity, especially at the rate the market's going up right now, then then you could sell a home, you know, finish your your degree or your master's degree or that temporary job or whatever it is. If you had a, an opportunity to own a home and gain that equity then you're in a really good position to then sell that home, move into the home that you're going to live in forever or across the country and take that other job or whatever the situation is and have all that money uh, to eliminate student loans, to have a huge down payment on a new home, to have money saved and in the bank, um, to put money into the market as an investment, whatever you want to do, that's, that's your money to use however you like. So that's a big win. If you don't sell the home and you don't cash in on that equity, then you could potentially still keep that home and use it as a rental property. So if you have a mortgage payment of, say, $1,500, but then in a couple of years from now, rents are going for two grand in that neighborhood, you move out, move on to the next opportunity, the new job, the new neighborhood, whatever it is, and keep that home as a rental then you are, you, in that situation, you're cash flowing 500 bucks. You pay your your $1,500 mortgage, which part of that is building equity because that's paying down the loan balance. So that's a, a savings account that you've got there. But then if you're cash flowing two, 500 bucks a month, because you're charging two grand on a $1,500 mortgage payment, that's money that you can be using to build up a nest egg for another opportunity to buy another home or to have money available to cover all those expenses that come along with with home ownership so you don't have to have that burden or feel that weight of replacing a furnace or a dishwasher or if you've got that nest egg built up and you just want to supplement your income and you want an extra 500 bucks a month to to fund your your travel plans then that's yours to do whatever you'd like with it. So really good opportunity there in terms of owning a home long-term as a rental property, which then leads to the opportunity to retire. So say for example, you're 25 years old right now, you're buying your first home and in 30 years from now, guess what happens to that 30-year mortgage on that home? it's gone. And so now instead of cash flowing 500 bucks a month, 30 years from now, that $2,000 rent is probably going to be closer to three grand a month in rent. But guess what happened to your mortgage? It's gone. You have no mortgage payment and you're, you're collecting three grand a month. Now you've still got some property taxes, some insurance, but that's a couple hundred bucks a month. But then if you've got three grand a month coming into you and you've done that two, three times, you could be looking at having 6000, 9000, 12000 a month as income before even considering having any kind of pension or having any kind of social security if that's even a thing that exists in 30 years from now and you've created your own retirement cash flow that comes in and has a huge high value that's continuing to go up. Because if you had three homes that are, that are worth, say, for example, $300,000 a piece, you're close to a million dollars in net worth just from the equity in those homes. And it's cash flowing you nine, 10 grand a month and continuing to go up every single year in the value without running the risk of, you know, anything else happening to that. Because if, if the market were to crash and rents were to drop, guess what? You're not out because you just drop your rents. And instead of 10 grand a month, maybe you got eight grand a month, which is still a comfortable, comfortable retirement. So that's kind of a, a, a brief overlook of what, uh, what the benefits of home ownership are. Now, I'm going to go through some of the benefits of renting. Are you ready for it? Okay. That's it. That's all the benefits of renting. And no, I did not cut out and you didn't miss anything. That was the, that was the list of nothing that benefits you to, for renting. So, um, if you, if you like, if you like charity work and, uh, you like contributing to people that, uh, that want to retire and donating to paying off their mortgages, um, then renting might be a good thing. But if your goal is to get there yourself, um, there's really not a, a benefit to, uh, to renting. Sometimes it's necessary if you just don't qualify for, for getting into a home, but that should be it. You should be renting only to get to a point where, where you can own uh, on your own. So let's talk about the market a little bit, and and this is going to be be pretty specific to the Wasatch Front, um, just because the the market here is a little bit different than what it is across the country. But even nationally, we're seeing a lot of similarities and a lot of parallels. So, what we're looking at here in the market is is a lot of um, a lot of people that are are terrified to get into buying a home and running the risk of uh, home values dropping dramatically where you, you know, happened to me. So I had a home, for example, um, before the crash happened, the the recession back in 2008. And, um, and I I bought it, I think, for $205,000. And, and then two years later, three years later, I think that some homes in the in the neighborhood were selling for 130 grand, 140 grand, so a huge drop as a percentage. Um, And so that just scared Everybody out of their minds from from buying a home, especially in this market where we're seeing home values go up again. It's like, oh, here it comes we're gonna we're gonna take another hit. We're we're in line for it. But when we break it down, here's what we've got: pre-recession, pre-2008, we had a ridiculous number of people buying homes and buying multiple homes, and with that, we also had um, we were we were perfectly set up where we had a ton of people starting to go unemployed, and the economy wasn't wasn't doing what it is now. And so, what we're looking at currently is this: unemployment rates nationally are at an all-time low. Locally in Utah, we are ahead of almost the entire rest of the country for unemployment rates. We don't have lines of people standing around. To try and get a job. Um, And so the unemployment rates are extremely, extremely low, which then just alludes to the fact that people can make their mortgage payments. They're not getting into a home that is going to put them in a position where they're going to default on their loan, the home's going to foreclose, they're going to have to short sell it. We don't have that. People are working and they're gainfully employed and in fact, they're getting sought after a lot where there there's a lot of people that are being recruited to other companies. Now, we've got coronavirus and that's that put a lot of people out of a job and I'm sensitive to to that and to those that are in that position, but What we've got here along the Wasatch Front is a huge um, medical employment force. We've got um, a lot going on as far as the tech industry is concerned, which all of that's being done online. And so there's a lot of industries here locally that are not impacted the coronavirus where all these people are able to work remotely or they're in a spot that is you know an essential business so that's really taken off the table where that's not a concern as far as unemployment which results in in foreclosure Um, and, 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 and with that we've got new jobs coming in where the market is stable and it's growing, where we've got these big tech industries, we've got um, you know, Amazon and Northrop Grumman and, and all these companies, the airports doubling in size, and we've got hundreds and thousands of people coming here from these big companies that were set up in some of these high cost areas. Take us you know Southern California or Seattle or New York area, for example, and these companies are saying, well, we'll just have everyone work out of Utah it's a lower cost of living so we can pay them less, but they'll still be happier because they have more, more cash at the end of the day, sitting in their bank account. And the cost to have an office space in Utah is much less. So let's move everybody there. So that's what's happening is we've got a lot of people coming in and flooding the Utah housing market. So that relocation, um, of, of all these people is, is causing a huge shortage In housing supply, which then just makes the the housing market even stronger, simple supply and demand. We look at you know something that is is in short supply. Take a you know a luxury car for example. There's not a lot. um, There's not a lot of. Take a Lamborghini. If We had a Lamborghini that's for sale, and they were all readily available. There's a huge inventory of them. Then they're going to come down on prices. That's where we're going to see, you know, you could pick up a Lamborghini if there's 30 of them sitting for sale on a used car lot, but that's not the case. It's because the supply is so low and they do that intentionally to keep their value up where it is a luxury vehicle and they don't mass produce them. Um, kind of where we're at with, with housing, where it is in huge, huge, huge demand because the supply is so low. It's a, it's this like new luxury to own a home because you just can, can hardly come across enough, enough housing that's available for you to pick up. So the, the value keeps getting pressured up because when you've got 30 people that want to buy the same house, then everyone starts trying to outbid each other. And that's what's pressuring the demand for housing up. And so in order for housing uh, costs to go down and for us to see a recession, we've got to have a reversal of that. We've got to have more homes for sale than people that actually want to buy them. And so for that reason, when we look at the supply and demand that we've got right now, where we, we literally have 15, 20 people that are wanting to buy the exact same home it's going to take years before we see, you know, even if, even if nobody else decided, you know, that they wanted to buy a home, we just took everybody that was at this point in life, as of today, that wanted to buy a home, and we continued the same pace of houses coming up for sale, it's going to take an extremely long time, we're, gonna, we're talking years of homes being put up on the market for sale before we run out of people wanting to buy homes. And we all all know that you know people are going to continue to sell homes, and so we're not going to see a stoppage um, there of uh, of people selling and people buying and people coming into the state and that demand going up, and so um, so that that gives some indication as to the stability of the market. Then, what we what we also do is look at um, the mortgages pre two thousand and eight. There were tons of different mortgage options that were just bad mortgages that were uh, negative amortization that were adjustable rate mortgages that were no documentation loans where you could just state your income if you showed you have enough assets um, or you could even do no income, no assets where you're not having to document anything. You could have nothing in the bank and say that you know you wanted to buy a house as long as you got a pulse and they're handing out four or $500,000 loans at a, at a time and you can Get multiple loans at a time, um, so that was going on. Where now, the the government intervention, uh, I don't agree with with all of it, but there's a lot that's been corrected. That's been really good. Where the vast majority of mortgage options now are all requiring that you document everything. You have to legit qualify for getting a mortgage. You can't just say, yep. I have a, have a, an O type blood and, uh, and, and I'm, I am breathing and here's my social, um, you have to be able to show and prove to an underwriter that you are, you have stable income. You've got a history of it. You're going to be, you know, maintaining that level of income or more. And so the people that are getting into homes that are qualifying for these places, uh, they are, they're at a much lower risk of defaulting on these homes. So there's not going to be a vacant home that is sitting as a foreclosure for months on end, hoping somebody will come and buy it. Um, So people that are getting in, they actually, actually qualify. Then we also look at the regulations that have been put on the appraisal industry where, you know, pre 2008, again, we, we could call up as a loan officer could call up a buddy and say, Hey, can you possibly come in at this price? The, the realtor that listed it, listed it on the high end, but they're hoping they can make it work if they can just get it appraised high enough. And and appraisers would say, yeah, I'll see what I can do. And there was a lot of that going on that um, that really overinflated the, the mortgage industry and the, the housing industry and sh- showed prices and values of homes that were not actual. Um, and so what happened then after everything went down is... The, the government came out and said the loan officer and mortgage company um, cannot have that direct communication with the appraiser and we can't call them. So what we're, what we're limited to now is just um, sending in a request to an appraisal department or an appraisal uh, company that takes care of transacting that, um, that request. So I'll send in a request and say, hey, I need an appraisal done on this property because they're buying it then that company or that department reaches out to an actual appraiser to get that assignment taken care of. And so I don't know who the appraiser is until the actual report shows up in my email. Um, So that has eliminated a lot of that overinflation as well. So that's a lot on what the market is doing as far as is it going to relapse? Are we going to see a recession again? And on a local level here in Utah, it's uh, it's the end is not in sight. That is for sure right now. So a little bit on the market. Um, then if we, t- if we talk about kind of one of the things we mentioned earlier, um, the down payment options. So what are options for for coming up with a down payment as a first time home buyer, there's not a lot of money just sitting around unless you've just been working away at at saving money or if you know you had a a rich relative pass away and leave you a nice little check uh but uh but what do we consider for down payment options so if we're doing a program that does require a down payment obviously if you have money in checking and savings you can do that tax returns. Come tax time, that's a huge source for a lot of people to have some extra money to use as a down payment. That's totally fine. The money does not have to be seasoned and sitting in an account for any period of time, as long as we can document where that came from. So if we show that the IRS deposited money into your bank account, and we know that that's not new debt that you took on, that that's legit, and that's your funds, and that's available for you to use. Another option for a down payment is using money from a retirement account. So if you have like a 401k that you've been contributing to, that money's gone in tax free. And so obviously if you pull that money out, you're going to get nailed on taxes, right? Wrong. So with a 401k, if you pull money, there are options to pull money from a 401k, an investment account that has gone in pre-tax and move that into another investment account, like buying a home without taking any penalties, without having to pay for taxes and fees and things like that, where if you just went and pulled money out just to have money in the bank to go shopping, you're going to get nailed with taxes and fees. But if you can show your 401k provider that you are buying a home, they will send you that money to use for buying a home without any penalties. So that is something that a lot of people don't know about, but is a really good source for coming up with a down payment. Another option for a down payment is getting a gift from a relative. So if you had somebody that was willing to help out, mom and dad, grandma, whoever it is, wants to give you some money to be able to get you into your first home, that is totally fine. You There's a form that gets filled out that says that's what they're doing, that they're giving you those funds for the purchase of a home. They sign a letter, says that that's what it is, and that you don't have any repayment that's required um, to them. And and we can use that. That's totally, totally fine. And we do that all the time. Another option is a secured loan. This is kind of a last resort option if we don't have any of those other options where say you have a, a car that's been paid off and you could pull a loan out from that and you've got it secured and attached to some kind of property. An unsecured loan is not an option. Secured financing you can use and we can just count that payment. So if you got a new loan. And you pulled out eight grand and you've got a down payment, and your payment on that eight grand is a hundred bucks, and you still qualify for the mortgage with that hundred dollar payment, totally fine. We just get all the paperwork for that and we're in good shape. So those are kind of some of the down payment options that you have as far as coming up with actual down payment. Then there's down payment assistance programs where you don't have to come up with any of the that money from any of those sources but you can, uh, you can just use one of the programs that is either is a local program or a state program or a national program that helps get you money for a down payment. So there are lots of different um, cities that, that offer grants where you can go in and apply for them, and if you qualify under their requirements, um, they will give you money to cover your down payment. A lot of times people are like, well, those pro- programs are a hoax because they're just going to take it from me later. Most of those down payment assistance grants um, actually will forgive the money that they had given you after either like a three or a five year period. So if you live in the home for three or five years then they say we don't need any money back. The ones that do have that, that stipulation, if you move and sell the home within that period of time, then they'll prorate things and they'll want some of their money back so that they can help other people out um, to be able to, to use that same program. Um, so there's a piece of that, but chances are if you're selling your home in three or five years um, that you're doing it because it's a good time to, to do that and you've got a lot of equity that you've got. And so coming up with a couple grand to, uh, to pay that back is not, uh, not a big deal. Then there's programs that um, that the state of Utah offers where they've taken um, some of the allocation of of federal funding and local funding and allow you to get loans for what would have been the down payment. So instead of you having to come up with that money, you can actually get a loan for that down payment. So then you finance 100%. So yes, you're financing more. Yes, you've got a a payment on that second mortgage, um, the lien on the home to cover that down payment, but it allows you to get into a home without having to have any money out of pocket. So that's a great option. There's programs for rural areas, these areas that have been targeted to try and develop and stimulate the housing economy. Um, the, the, the Department of, of Agriculture, USDA, has a program that allows 100% financing, all one loan, no down payment, Um, for these areas that are zoned as rural. There's some county programs that are available that offer some assistance. Salt Lake County, Utah County, Weber County have different programs. Um, And then there's the VA. So if you are a military veteran, there is a program for you potentially. Not everybody qualifies for it. You have to have met a certain criteria Um, in order to be eligible for a VA loan. But that program is wonderful. If you are eligible for it, it's 100% financing. There's no mortgage insurance, which is just just translates to you having a lower payment. There's not a rate hike on that program. So it's a really, really good program and allows people to get in. It is not a first time home buyer program either. It can be used for subsequent homes. Um, So Point being, there's a lot of options without having to come up with a down payment, so don't let that stop you. Then, let's talk about credit. A lot of people, again, going back to kind of what we mentioned, is a lot of people think they've got to have flawless credit in order to get a mortgage, Um, and so... What we're looking at is currently there are options that will go down to 620 um, for for financing. In some creative situations, you can go even even lower than that, or even not have any credit score. Where if you can document that you have uh, bills that have been in your in your name that you've been paying for a period of time and uh and they've been on time and we can show an underwriter hey this guy knows how to make make payments on time he just never used credit cuz he just does cash there's options there as well the top tier for uh, for financing as far as getting the best interest rates the best mortgage insurance rates we're looking at 760 so we can do we've got options for financing with low credit but if you've got great credit um, then those options open up for for even more there's kind of some breakpoints at 660 700 but then that top tier again is at 760 so that's something important to know. Um, one thing that uh, that me and my team offer here is a credit simulator. So if you are close to or working on credit, and you're you're close to getting qualified or close to the next tier, um, there's a simulator that we we use. A software program that uh, that I pay for. But what we do as a service to our clients is we run their credit report through the simulator where it'll go through and to the dollar, tell us what your account balances should be at in order to get you to that next tier. And so that's something that uh, that is really fun and, and unique to, to what we do. That helps out a lot of people, and then obviously there's options for credit repair. There's there's a lot of horror stories uh, about different credit repair companies. The company that I can refer you to, uh, if you do need repair and have things deleted off of credit, and be working on things more of a long term plan, um, the company that I refer you to does a really really good job of being very very aggressive, doing a lot of things that really you can do on your own, but you just don't know how to, or you don't know what to do, or what to say, or what to request. And that's where sometimes it goes really quick by having a professional company help you out. Um, But then there's the bad credit repair companies that have the reputation of just kind of milking it out and trying to collect as much money as as they can from you over the years. And they're not really incentivized and driven to get things done quickly, um, as opposed to the, the, the people that we work with. So that's a little bit on credit. Um, debt to income ratios. Let's talk about that for just a second. Um, And then we'll kind of wrap up and put a bow on all this. The, the, the general rule of thumb is 45% as a debt ratio, we're talking about your gross income. So if we were to look at a debt ratio, and for round numbers, we just take five grand a month as as an income of that 5 grand a month, obviously we're going to pay taxes, we're going to pay utilities, things like that. That's going to account for the 55% of your income. Then the other 45% that is remaining is going to be allowed for monthly payments. So 45% of a 500,000 or excuse me, a $5,000 income on a monthly basis is 2250. So $2,250. Then if you had say for example a $400 car payment, then that leaves you with 1850 a month, that could be your maximum house payment. And then we take that 1850 and convert that into a mortgage, uh, total uh, mortgage cost and a mortgage, uh, what am I trying to say here, the loan amount. And based off of what program we're doing with a down payment, whether we have one or not, then that helps us determine, okay, $1,850 1850 a month, that's going to get you a $300,000 home or a $280,000 home or a $350,000 home, depending on, again, the program we use and the down payment. Um, so, are some programs that will actually allow even more flexibility than a 45% debt ratio that will go up to as much as a 55% debt to income ratio. So that's not always recommended, but sometimes there's compensating factors where maybe you're going to have somebody that lives with you that's not on the loan that's going to contribute towards the mortgage payment, or maybe you're going to rent out the basement or things like that, where it makes sense to utilize more, more of that credit that you can qualify for. Um, then there's also options. Sometimes we just can't use the income that you've got because maybe you're self-employed and haven't been on the job long enough to show all the, the income that you do have. Um, or maybe it's a variable income and though, and your hours recently increased, but your history doesn't show it. So sometimes then it makes sense to use a cosigner. A cosigner is only good for qualifying for more. So you don't get a better interest rate. You don't get a better program. Um, it is it is really only for increasing how much you can qualify for because when you're qualifying for a mortgage if you have two people on the loan then of those two people whoever's credit score is the lowest that's what we're going to use to base everything off of to determine the program and the interest rate that you qualify for so if dad has a better credit score and he's on the loan with you doesn't get you a better program all it does is use his income To show that we've got enough income to support qualifying for a higher mortgage payment um, or a higher price point So that's what a cosigner is good for is offsetting some of those debt ratios and increasing your your buying power So That being said, what are kind of the steps to getting started on on buying a home? Going back to what we mentioned earlier, it's really about talking and having a conversation with a professional to find out where you're at, where you can start, um, and kind of taking out that that guesswork, because a lot of times people are leaving things to chance, and they're being vague about kind of what they want to do, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm planning on buying a house next year. Well, how did you plan for it? Well, I just said it that doesn't get you very far. Um, so what you need to do is have a conversation with someone that can guide you through the process, tell you where where you're at right now. Maybe you even do qualify for, for something at this point and you just didn't know it, but give you the information so that you've got all the facts laid out in front of you. Then there's that credit analysis and evaluation that we do. We calculate, uh, where you're at on income that would be determined by the underwriter. To make sure that that the income we've got uh, works and meets the criteria for getting qualified on a mortgage, compare the programs, um, and then and then also talk about what the future changes are. Maybe you're about to graduate college and get a new job, and and you've got a an income that you're anticipating, uh, or maybe you're thinking that you're going to move, and it's going to take you an hour or two away from where you're at. So we can have that consultation and kind of evaluate that. And then if you are pre-approved, if everything is in line for you to be able to do something, then we issue a pre-approval letter. Once we've gone through all of that, we give you a letter that says you are qualified, you will get financing for a home. That's the point at which you begin the home search process, where you start talking to a realtor to look at homes, compare your options. And and once you do that and find a home that you want and you negotiate an offer, then that begins about a month-long process of doing paperwork to get you keys to your home. So what's the next step for you talking to a professional? My information is, is readily available. If you want to reach out to me, kit.bait at academymortgage.com. Would love to sit down with you, have a conversation on uh, on your next steps and what we can do to to get you on on track, take that first step forward in building wealth and becoming financially free and uh living the American dream. The uh home ownership is, is more available and more um opportunistic than than what people realize a lot of times. So stay in tune, connect with me on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, stay in tune for the next podcast with some more information. Hopefully this has been very valuable information for you and uh, I'll look forward to talking to you.